That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap dirty game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Kukupful Stat Attack podcast. I'm your host, Mark Callanan. So Game Week 8 has come and gone, and it was the busiest game week since the elongated Game Week 1, with a whopping 54 NHL games having taken place. As a result, it was the highest scoring week of the Kukupful season since back in Week 1, with just shy of 60,000 fantasy points being scored across the 18 Kukupful divisions. Last week, there were seven teams remaining undefeated, and later on in this episode, I'll be checking out how many of those teams managed to maintain their perfect record and move to 8-0-0. I'll also be looking at the performer of the week, the matchup of the week, and the top five teams overall. And with eight weeks of the 2019-2020 fantasy season complete, we're now officially past one-third distance in the season, 40% of the way through the regular season. So for this week's deep dive, I'll be transporting you back in time, all the way back to the end of September 2019, to draft weekend but first this week's stat attack interview is with ryan del rosario ryan is currently plying his trade as the manager of i'm bo yo in smalland and tier 4 i spoke to ryan on sunday about his fantasy hockey pedigree his draft experience in the cupful and his favorite fantasy hockey players so far Okay, this week's guest on the Kukupful Stat Attack podcast is Ryan Del Rosario. Ryan is the general manager of I'm Bo Yo in Smaland in Tier 4 of the Kukupful. Ryan, you're very welcome and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. It's quite early in the morning over there, I take it? Uh, not too bad. It's around 9 o'clock having my uh, morning cup of coffee. Good stuff. Where are you based? Uh, Anaheim, California. Are you a Ducks fan? Certainly am. Okay, and you've been a Ducks fan for quite a while or quite new to it? Um, or? Kind of got into it late, actually. I, w- I grew up uh, about five minutes from Honda Center, and I didn't really get too into it till I was in high school. Probably about like 13, 14. They had a really good season there. And um, <clears throat> shortly after that, started playing fantasy hockey. That was a heartbreaking year against the Hawks. That one, that one, that one hurt. I was there yeah. for that one. <laughs> that was a great series. Yeah, yeah. There, no, uh, I don't think anyone was stopping Duncan Keith and all those guys that, that year. No, no. They were electric. Do you have a favorite Ducks player? Uh, Ryan Getzloff, the captain, just can't. That guy's been there uh, ever since I started watching, and before then, he was there for the cup win. And uh, even now, he's 35, I think, and he still looks great out there. Did he? He hit a milestone recently, I think. Did he get his thousandth game, or was it? He did. He did. Yeah, that was his yeah. thousandth game. He got the silver stick and all that. I, I didn't get to get. I think that was actually done at home too. I didn't uh, didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, um, he's he's been a consistent uh, fantasy stud for quite a few years now. And he's oh, still, still producing. Yeah, yeah. The only thing, you know, is it's um, kind of his whole career didn't really shoot a lot. So that was, uh, if there was any uh, reservations on drafting him, it was the shot production. But other than that, the guy's been great. Yeah, because his shooting percentage was always high. So it was kind of uh, a mystery as to why he never shot more. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> many, many a Ducks fan asked the same question. But um, when he when he play makes the way he does, I, I don't really ask too many questions. Um, how did you feel about Corey Perry leaving? Uh, I was a little bittersweet. I was more upset if they were going to do that. I was kind of upset they didn't really do anything with the cap space that that uh, afforded them. Uh, yeah. Kind of just left a 
now we're stuck paying a little bit of that contract for a couple more years but you know I, he gets older he, he was great when he when he was in his prime here so i don't really have uh any grudges against him you know and he, he seems yeah. to look pretty happy in dallas so. um sorry one more question i'm going to ask you about the ducks i know we hadn't kind of prepared any of this but um no my worries. favorite my favorite fantasy goalie is john gibson and i know he has a, a ton of work there but he is absolutely outstanding certainly is certainly is i have him in my big league um so i have a main league with all my beer league buddies for hockey and uh he was my first goalie off the board in that league and i had him last year in the cook cup full where he was fantastic he was like, yeah. he, was, he was in contention for the vesna i think through oh, maybe two-thirds yes. of the season the wheels kind of came off a little bit but he was uh like he was keeping anaheim together for two-thirds of last season absolutely absolutely last year was um you, you could start to see it in the i can't remember exactly when he got fired but i want to say around january february the, the carlisle effect you know he just he yeah. had to go you could see the team was starting to lose their edge and uh, unfortunately gibson's numbers suffered for it just if you can introduce your team so your team's name is i'm bo yo now i'm guessing that the bow relates <laughs> to bo horvat you do have him in your team i certainly do and then the uh the name itself is a song and album from a comedian named bo burnham okay um, and he has a he's kind of does a mixture of stand-up comedy as well as uh, funny songs if you will he's kind of a performing comedian he has a song called Amboyo hence the uh, Bo Horvat name and I've asked the last couple of guests this I assume you had Horvat in your team before you picked your team name yes yes every, every uh, I used to be in more leagues this year I'm only in three but um, I uh, essentially draft my team and then try to come up with the most clever pun that I can based on who I drafted. Yeah, I think most people in the Cuckoo are the same. There's a lot of good puns. A few not oh, so good, but quite a few ones. good ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the, the good ones make up for the bad ones, certainly. Yeah, I think this year there were three Dude Where's My Car and about maybe three <laughs> three other Macar references in uh, more obscure ones. There's always, uh, I can always tell there's always that trending one for the season. You know, I, th- I think last year I saw a lot of uh, Debrinkat ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you more of a hockey fan? You said you got into hockey and fantasy hockey around the same time. Would you be more of a hockey fan or more of a fantasy hockey fan? Um, as of late, I would say probably more of a hockey fan, just purely because I watch it more. You know, I kind of kind of got bit by the bug, as they say. So yeah, um, definitely. As I continue to watch, I follow more things around the league. As for fantasy hockey, it just. <laughs> I had a few hot takes my first year of really watching hockey, uh, which led to some chirping from my my friends, <laughs> and uh, we decided to settle our chirps through fantasy hockey. And then uh, that was definitely um, I, I definitely started to watch more hockey and get more into it purely through just playing fantasy hockey. And is that the league that's still your main league? Yeah, yeah, we have a, a miniature Stanley Cup replica for the champion. It's about wow. So it's two weeks in a row we've had somebody on who has a miniature Stanley Cup. Oh, it's awesome. It's We get the the names engraved on the rings and everything. It's probably about uh-huh. a foot and a half, two feet tall. No way, um, that's brilliant. Oh, it's so much fun. And and the worst part was the first year of the league, my now roommate, uh, one of my best friends, he beat me the first year by 0.5 points in the championship, <laughs> which was honestly one of the most painful experiences of my life. Oh, so my basically... God. We get the um, the team name, uh, the owner, the year, and then you get like a little space for a quote where you engrave it, and he just put 0. .5. <laughs> <laughs> That's cruel. Oh, it was cruel, but I got him back. I'm the reigning champion now. It took me five years, but I finally won it. Great. Is that a keeper league or a dynasty league? or? Um, it's a redraft league, but we do have um, like a modified keeper rule. Um, every draft, so long as the player never left your roster, 
okay. you can essentially forfeit the previous round draft pick the next year. So, for instance, if I drafted um, last year or two years ago, I drafted Matt Kachuk in like the, I don't know, 10th round, 11th round. So mm-hmm. last year I gave up my 9th or 10th round and I was able to keep Kachuk is essentially how it works. You right, can do that okay. with one player. With one player each season. Okay. Right, right. Is that managed through Fantrax or Yahoo or who do you use? Uh, we just switched to Yahoo this year. Actually, we were using ESPN, and okay. um, we just we uh, I mean we had a little more workability with the stats and all that and the rules uh, through Yahoo. So we decided to change at the moment. <clears throat> so your team, uh, you're fourth in Smallland now. Take, not taking this week into consideration, it looks like you're about to go to five three and zero. Oh. Um, you've had a big week this week. Oh yeah, no fingers crossed. It's, it stays that way for this week. But um, Michael, owner of Soft Dump, he uh, another great pun. But he gave me a run for my money this week. I um, I was actually down going into yesterday, and I had a huge night yesterday. Um, I picked up Gustav Nyquist a couple days ago. He had a hat trick two days ago. I saw that. Um, so, yeah, against the Penguins. Oh my god, that was I needed that so badly. And you know what's funny is I almost traded Varlamov halfway through the week to somebody, and he ended up getting me the shutout last night, which equally huge for this week. And so you're on an upward tra- trajectory. I think you'd lost three in a row coming into this. So you is that right? Maybe I think it is two or three. And you know the the great thing about the couple, and especially the at least the way my season's gone so far is. There's no easy weeks. I mean, I feel like I've scored a pretty good amount, but I haven't been able to blow anybody out. It's been a nail-biter almost every week. So it's so, a pretty competitive um, division you're in? Oh, yeah. No, it's... it's uh, they're having, I think I'm... Um, I think I'm like third or fourth in, in scoring for that league, and I'll, I'm only one above 500, so... I think... Yeah. Um, I was doing the maths in my head there. I think after this week, depending on how tonight goes, um, today being Sunday, obviously, you could possibly be top in points. You're, you're looking pretty good this week. <laughs> Here's how big my ego is. I actually did the math. I think I'm 30 <laughs> points behind going into today, so I want that top spot. I'm hoping maybe next week I can close the gap. Yeah, um, yeah. I think me and you might be the same. Then we uh, we do <laughs> we do the little maths, the stuff that doesn't really matter, but the stuff that keeps you going. Well, you know what? It matters to me, and that's that's why I love the Kakupful stat attack. It's uh, it's a lot of fun checking out all those uh, files and the spreadsheets. I remember last year, uh, my goal was to stay on the first page, and all, all <laughs> season I was bouncing back and forth between the first and second page. You should have just got in contact. I could have changed the Zoom and kept you on the front page. If you <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, if the numbers don't fix, adjust the file, right? Yeah, exactly. Having a look at your team um, and your your moves, so you've only made nine moves so far this season. Um, is it fair to say you're not a big streamer? Not really. I kind of stream based on need. Um, the biggest thing is I'll look at games played. Uh, if my team has a lighter schedule, I might make a couple moves. But otherwise, uh, I kind of like to save my fab for the playoffs. Uh, so typically I'll kind of just do it week to week. I might be a streamer one week, and then next week, if my team looks good, I kind of just let things uh, happen as they may. Okay, and if we can take a look then at your draft. Um, so you had the third pick, and you went uh, Nathan McKinnon. You can't regret that one? Not even a little bit. I was I was actually uh, really happy he fell to me. I think, I think it was like McDavid Kucherov went ahead of him, if I remember uh, correctly. So, I, I mean, I was second I saw I was third overall. That's all I was hoping for was McKinnon to fall to me. And you went uh, Frederick Anderson, Tarasenko, he was a big loss. You know, he was, but I also hit on a couple of my later picks. So luckily I was able to balance out some things. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You can't replace Tarasenko. No, that and you have... Definitely a big hit. 
Um, so further down, you have Quinn Hughes in the 11th round. You have to be happy with how he's doing. You still have him in your lineup. Oh, absolutely. He um, The thing about Hughes, I've noticed, he doesn't really shoot a lot, doesn't really get a lot of peripherals, but he's and striking he gold on the... Oh, yeah. No, he's crushing assists, and he's got some power play usage, so that um, maybe to Alexander Edler's disadvantage works to my advantage. Yeah, I've got Edler in, in two of my leagues, including the Cupful. Um, he's out injured again twice in a week. Uh, it seems to happen to him every season. He just <laughs> takes so many blocks. He gets so many injuries. Yep, yep. But you know what? When... Um, Good thing about the couple with the IR spots. Once he's in, he's he's gold for you. Yeah, you have Kevin Shattenkirk as your final draft pick. You you have to be happy with that one. Yeah, that was honestly the couple's a pretty extensive draft. So by by that round, I was just looking for either uh, a gamble on a rookie or just somebody who had a change of scenery. And luckily, no one picked him, and I he he got to fall to me, and it worked out. And similarly, uh, in the sixteenth round, you went James Neal. He started the season so well for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he for sure, I got off to a great start, and he was a big part of that, which um, anyone listening, he's on the block, if, <laughs> if anyone's uh, interested. Um, not to take things too negative, somebody who we probably share a bit of uh, ill feeling towards, P.K. Subban. Oh, yeah. It's just one of those things, New Jersey. I just look at him on paper, they can't be this bad. So um, I'm, I'm still holding out hope. He's still getting hits. He's still shooting a lot. Just waiting for those points to come around. I think last I checked, he has like six or seven points. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. I was at a game um, last night and I was checking the scores in the early game. So the Devils are playing the Rangers. And I saw, I think it was, was it Kreider maybe got a five minute major? And I was thinking, okay, the Devils have to do something here. I have Taylor Hall, I have P.K. Subban. And 30 seconds later, the Rangers scored their second shorthanded goal of the game. <sighs> that's that's, uh, <laughs> that that's team, a backbreaker for sure. That team is just a disaster so far. And apologies to any Devils fans listening, but I'm sure they realize it. No, yeah, I mean, if, if we're all being honest, I think most people had them pegged for at least a playoff contender. Uh, going into the season so it's uh things are yeah. going wrong and yeah i i couldn't tell you why i mean it's, no, it's kind I, of an anomaly i i was high on gusev um pre-season and i, I put a cu- couple of small bets on them before the season at 40 mm-hmm. to 1 mm-hmm. but yeah i might as well rip those tickets up <laughs> yeah, unfortunately i actually drafted gusev in uh, a couple as well and to my disappointment a couple weeks in I'd, I'd to let him go He's he's not actually looking too bad recently. I think he's probably he's definitely worth streaming um, on on good schedule weeks. But um, yeah, I don't think he's worth owning and holding. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to pick your your spots, and it, you know it's always relative too to what you have on your bench. If if you got a spot for him, he he can definitely work. It's just um, depends on what else you have, you know. Can you give me a bit of insight into your prep for the draft? Do you put much prep in, or do you customize your rankings, or, or how much work do you do on that? I do draft, uh, draft day is probably the, the most prep I put in all season. Um, it's a lot of listening to Elon and Brian, um, a lot of just kind of paying attention to, to who's where. And I just kind of tier things, you know, the way they, they tier, uh, goalies. With the goalies. Goal. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a similar thing. I just kind of, um, and you know, you have to tailor everything to the different league you're in. I'm in three this year. I went down from five and, you know, you just kind of take, um, all the stats in your league into consideration. And, and the biggest thing for me is I like to tier people based on potential. Okay. So, you know, I have people who might have like a 60 point floor, but if I can see them hitting more than that, I might bump mm-hmm. them up a tier or two. 
Okay. Or if I kind of feel like they're kind of limited at that 60-point plateau, they might fall a tier or two. So you have uh, you consider upside as, as quite a important uh, category for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of just, um, you know, there's a lot of times where people start flying off the board. Um, for instance, defensemen, for me, is a huge tier because people take those fir- that first tier of a couple of Brent Burns and Carlson and whatnot. And as long as I see some of those two to three tier defensemen where I feel like I can still get someone solid. I might wait it out or jump, uh, jump on one of those guys before they're gone. And it really helps me, um, get a feel for where I'm at in the draft at all times. Yeah. Just from looking at your first five picks in the cook you had a center, a goaltender, a left, left winger, a right winger, and a defenseman. So you, <laughs> you know, you didn't go too high or too in on one position. You spread it around for your first few picks. I did not realize I went in five different positions for them. That's pretty cool. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> On your current roster, do you have any uh, current season MVPs, anybody who you're really happy with in the couple so far? Uh, my first pick, McKinnon, of course. Um, yeah. That gets me all kinds of happy. Um, I picked up Krejci, David Krejci, a little bit ago off waivers when he was coming back from an injury, and that, that's yeah. been a great move. Pashretti I got pretty late. Um, and he's been almost back to days of old past ready, which has been awesome. But, um, you know, I got to give it to Tavo Teravainen, who's been on a tear um, yeah. all year. And he's much, I mean, I, I was saying earlier, I tear based on uh, upside. I, being honest, I would have called him for 60 to 70 points with not a lot of upside. And he's, he's proven me wrong thus far. <laughs> so you pick, picked him up uh, 115th in the draft, and he's currently ranked 44 in the Kukupful. So that's definitely a win. Yeah, no, that that's uh, far exceeded my expectations, and I'm, I'm, especially with the dual wing eligibility, I'm uh, pretty excited to have him. Yeah, it's good flexibility. Do you have an all-time favorite fantasy hockey player? Jack Eichel, for sure. Okay. Um, the first year I played at fantasy hockey in the off-season um, was the McDavid draft, and uh, again, everyone on my beer league was more than thrilled to have McDavid, so tuning in, I was watching... Uh, a lot of, or well, reading a lot about Jack Eichel and seeing some of his college stuff, and you know, just kind of gravitated towards him in the draft the next year, and started off very slow, but he uh, helped me make a playoff push towards the end, and ever since then, I've had him uh, every year in my big league. Yeah, you weren't tempted to go on, go with him instead of McKinnon. You were happy enough with McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I love uh, Jack quite a bit, but not that much. would you have any advice for a newbie to fantasy hockey or maybe somebody in the cupful who's in their first season uh just you know take uh, as much information as you as you can from all sources don't don't ever uh get too set in stone on on what you think a player can or will be just kind of stay open and uh you know like i said just just take a lot of information and if you can um get a lot of sources and then come to um kind of break them all down to a, a mean, if you will. And, yeah. you know, that's probably the right choice. That sounds pretty much like my approach to the draft. So I take uh, as many of the projections as I can. Um, all the online ones uh, this year, my brother was in Toronto, so I got him to bring me back a couple of uh, projection magazines. Ah, there you um, go. And I just aggregate all of those and average them out, and that's what I come up, or that's how I come up with my projections and, and base them off that. So, yeah, take as many sources as possible. Don't uh, don't listen to one. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's for sure the best advice you could get. Um, and the final question, then, Ryan, uh, do you have any under the radar players this season so far? Not necessarily uh, somebody who you own, but maybe somebody who you've noticed is uh, maybe going unnoticed. 
Uh, right off the bat, uh, in couple terms, uh, Jared Spurgeon. You know, he always falls every uh, every season. Seems to fall in the draft, and you know, he had a slow start as as did all of Minnesota. But um, past couple weeks, he's been putting up a lot of points, and he's always very consistent as far as blocks and shots. So he always kind of flies under the radar and puts up great production. Yeah, so I can see you picked him up in, in the 13th round, uh, pick 171. His average cook-up full draft pick actually was 186, and he is currently ranked 137th in the cook-up full. So maybe he's about he's, he's worth about 50 places more in the draft than what he's been going. Absolutely, and, and you know, I think the only reason he fell in the cook-up full was uh, I don't think uh, anyone was too high on Minnesota going into this year, so... Yeah, and looking at your um, so the stats of your current pl- players, uh, Spurgeon has 51 blocks, and the next highest I think is 27 for Bo Horvat and 27 for PK Subban. So he's oh, nearly forward he, second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, crazy. Bo Horvat, um, yeah, Bo Horvat's pretty uh, pretty good for peripherals. Uh, 19 hits and 27 blocks for a center isn't bad at all. No, no, not at all. I didn't I didn't realize I didn't have. Uh very many blocks on my team maybe i'll uh see what's going on the waiver wire when i get a chance (laughs) if it was a cats league i'd say you maybe should be worried but i wouldn't worry too much about it you seem to be doing pretty well no yeah you know that's that's a that's a good point i uh, i can't really complain thus far okay ryan thanks very much for coming on and getting up early and coming on to chat no no i I appreciate it thank you for having me mark and uh keep doing what you do it's it's a lot of fun and uh enjoy the uh stat attack as well as the podcast great stuff and best of luck for game week nine i hope you can continue your winning ways appreciate it thank you very much thanks again to ryan for chatting to me on sunday morning i can tell you that since i've recorded that i'm bo yo of smalland his team have gone to 5-3-0 and they did win their matchup they were actually the fourth highest performing team in terms of points in the entire cupful last week so they bumped themselves up back onto the home page of the cupful stat attack file so ryan will be delighted to hear that i'm sure and more importantly for ryan he stays well in the playoff hunt in what's turning out to be quite a tight division there in smalland in tier four Now I mentioned there that Ryan's team were the fourth highest scoring team in the Cupful last week and the highest scoring team I'm happy to announce it's my favourite team name in the entire Cupful Microsoft Excel from Anton were the highest scoring team in the entire Cupful last week so well done to them. They've really assembled a star-studded team uh, containing the likes of Mika Zabanajad, David Perron, Chris Letang, Jack Eichel, Nathan McKinnon and Joel Armia who was in great form last week as well as Ben Bishop in Nets and Shea Weber there as well so a huge huge week for them and congratulations. The winning margin in their matchup was over 150 points and pushes Microsoft Excel to a record of 7-1-0, which is good for uh, outright first position in their division. So they're looking like a really strong contender. And speaking of contenders, we're down to our final three unbeaten teams in the Cupful this season. Uh, They are Dude Where's Makar in Sodertalja, Walk With Elias in Jakob F, and the Sundeer Sharks in William. Not surprisingly, all three of those teams occupy first position in each of their respective divisions, and you'll have to check in next week to see if any of those teams have managed to make it a perfect 9 wins from 9. Now last week's matchup of the week was an absolute epic between Flower Power and Joe's team of the Sweden division in Tier 1. Not only was this the highest scoring matchup of the week, with an incredible 591 points scored, but it was also decided in the very last game with a comeback and decided by less than one fantasy point. 
Going into the Oilers and Canucks game on Sunday night, Joe's team trailed by some 18 points with three players to play in that game, Leon Dreisaitl, JT Miller and Darnell Nurse, whereas Flower Power had one player, Quinn Hughes. In the end, Dreisaitl managed 12.25 points, JT Miller 6 points and Darnell Nurse 5 points for a total of 23.25 points against Flower Power's 4 points for Quinn Hughes, so a deficit of over 18 points was overturned on the last game of the week, giving Joe's team a 0.95 point margin of victory. Now it's time for the team of the week, where we look at the top skater in each position on the ice, and this week's goaltender of the week is David Riddich of the Calgary Flames. With three games played, he had two wins, just six goals against, 95 saves for a total of 25.25 fantasy points. In defence then, Chris Letang had four games played after his comeback from injury. He had three goals, one assist, 20 shots on goal, five hits and seven blocks for 31.25 fantasy points. And his partner in defence then is Jared Spurgeon with four games played, one goal, four assists, four shots on goal, no hits but 19 blocks. A massive tally of blocks there as we discussed with Ryan yesterday. Uh, That's a total of 28 fantasy points for Spurgeon. On the left wing then, another Pittsburgh Penguin, Jake Gensel, four games played, four goals, three assists, 18 shots on goal, three hits and two blocks for a total of 37.75 fantasy points. On the right wing, it's Nikita Kucherov who's coming back to form after four games played last week. He had two goals, four assists, 21 shots on goal for an average of just over five shots per game. He had one hit, four blocks and a total of just shy of 40 fantasy points on 39.75. And then the star of the week at centre for the Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon. In just three games, so less than all the other skaters on the ice in the team of the week, he had three goals, six assists, 17 shots on goal, so nearly six shots a game, two hits and no blocks for a total of 40.5 fantasy points. At this stage, it's time to run through the top five overall teams sorted by points in the Cupful. And at number five from Frolunda, it's Brian Russ Never Sleeps. Last week, they were at position seven, so they've moved up two slots. And remarkably, they've been in the top ten overall all season long. So they've gone from third down to tenth, back up to fifth. At number four, it's uh, the aforementioned Microsoft Excel in Anton, who had such a good week, they bumped themselves from 31st up to 4th overall, a huge jump of 27 places. At number three, it's Dude Wears Makar of Sodertalja, who have jumped from 13th position up to 3rd, so a jump of 10 places. In second position, it's the aforementioned Joe's team of Sweden, with a record of 5-3-0 in that division, they've moved from 5th up to 2nd. And at number one, yet again... For the seventh week in a row, it's epic kneel time of Binghampton and Tom Crowhurst. Now, Tom, if you're listening, you still have a big gap, but it has been cut somewhat, so it's down to 81 points this week. Still quite a cushion, but uh, watch your back. Joe's team are on the prowl. And to finish off the Cupful weekly roundup, I'll have a look at Hot or Not, so the players whose ownership has changed up or down the most over the past week. I'll start with the players who are particularly hot. I have four of each, so four hot and four not. And number one on the hot category is Andre Palat of the Tampa Bay Lightning. His ownership has gone from 22% last week to 89% on Sunday. He's had a real yo-yo season. He was drafted in only 22% of divisions. He was up to 94% owned then in week three. He dropped back to 22% in week seven and he's now back up to 89%. The next player on the hot list is Ben Sherratt of Montreal. He has also jumped the same percentage as Andre Palat from 22% up to 89%.
The next player on the hot list is a teammate of Andre's, uh, Anthony Chirelli of the Tampa Bay Lightning. His ownership has jumped from 6% to 83%, so he was owned in just one league. He's now owned in 15 of the 18 cupful divisions. And the final hot player is actually a teammate of Ben Sherratt's. It's Arturi Lekkonen of the Montreal Canadiens, whose ownership jumped from being owned in one league last week to being owned in all but one league this week. So he's gone from 6% to 94% owned. In terms of the players who are not hot, James Van Riemsdyk of the Philadelphia Flyers is down from 67% to 22% owned. He was discussed on the main Keeping Carlson show if you want to have a bit of a deep dive into how he's been performing. Connor Garland then of the Arizona Coyotes is down from 100% to 50% owned as well as Derek Stepan of the Arizona Coyotes also. He's down from 67% to 17%, so the Arizona schedule is having a big impact on their their ownership percentages. And the final player who is not, through no fault of his own really, Martin Nietzsche of Carolina. He's down from 94% owned to 39% owned, again, mainly owing to their schedule. And make sure you tune in to Dave Betton's stream scheme to see who the likely candidates are for being on next week's hot list. Okay, it's time once again for the Stat Attack Deep Dive. Each week I'll be taking a look at fantasy hockey from a slightly different angle and analysing the numbers behind the cacupful. This week it's time to look back at the 2019-2020 draft which took place for the cacupful some 9 weeks ago. So today I've spent some time running through the 18 cacupful drafts which took place in the last weekend of September. Over the next few episodes of the Stat Attack I'll be using the Deep Dive to analyse which strategies work best and which have backfired. Today, I'll firstly be taking a quick look at the Cupful teams who have benefited most from their draft, and I'll also take a look at the players who are the biggest hits and misses in terms of their ADP or average draft position. Now before I get started, it's important to give a bit of background for the draft format for those of you with amnesia or midterm memory loss. Tier 1 of the Cupful, which contains the top division Sweden, was the only one of the 18 divisions in the competition to have used an auction draft approach. This auction draft was broadcast live and podcasted, which gave outsiders a great insight into the thought processes behind the draft strategies. For the purposes of analysing ADP, I will be ignoring that particular draft and concentrating on the remaining 17 Cucupful divisions, but I haven't excluded T1 completely and I'll still be including them in my measurements in the coming weeks. So what exactly am I measuring here? Well, I suppose quite simply what I've calculated is the sum of the total fantasy points scored by the 18 drafted players of each team in the Cucupful. So if you imagine that the team that you drafted was the team that you had to stick with for the entire season, but without any concerns towards position, eligibility, off-night games, or any of that nonsense. As an example, any of you who've been listening to the last few episodes or following the Stat Attack standings this year, you should be well aware that Tom Crowhurst has been dominant so far, having been top of the overall point standings since back in Week 2. If you were to just measure Tom's performance based on the players he drafted, he would be number two overall in the Cupful. First position would go to Aussie Magic of Melker, who are ninth in the overall standings. And each of the top 16 teams, in terms of total drafted points, are all within the top 40 overall points in the Cupful. So it doesn't take a genius to work out that drafting well will lead to a strong performance, particularly in the early parts of the season, but in the coming weeks I'll be taking a look at what made these drafters so strong. Tom's team Epic Neal Time, for example, are some 18.5% above average in drafted points and some 711 points overall higher than the bottom team. Over the course of 8 weeks that equates to nearly 90 points per week between the best and the worst drafts in the Cupful. 
If you want to see what your performance looks like in the draft, check out the usual link in the podcast description for the stat attack standings. And there you'll see a draft rankings tab, which is new to the file, and where each team's total drafted points are sorted in descending order. And to round out today's show, here are the five biggest hits and worst misses in terms of ADP in the Cupful versus their performance this season. To measure this, I only took players who were drafted in 50% or more of the Cupful divisions, and I measured each player's ADP against their current Cupful rank on Yahoo. I also excluded players who had played fewer than 20 games to allow for players who maybe had missed a significant chunk of the season through injury or suspension. So starting with the disappointments, in 5th place is Josh Anderson of Columbus. He was drafted in 100% of the Cupful divisions and is now owned in none, 0%. His ADP of 175.6 is in stark contrast to his current rank of 487, with just 3 points scored in his 20 games so far. At number 4, it's Colin White of Ottawa. He was drafted in 67% of the Cupful divisions and is now owned again in 0% of them, with an ADP of 231 and being ranked at just 544th with 5 points in 20 games. That's a massive fall from Colin White. The next and third in the list is Alexander Texier of Columbus again. He was drafted in two-thirds, that's 67% of Cupful divisions and is now again owned in none, with an average draft position of 236 and an overall rank of 555 with 4 points in 22 games. In second position, for the worst overall performance based on ADP, is Shane Gustisbear of Philadelphia. He was drafted in 100% of Cupful divisions and is still owned in just under half at 44%. His average draft position was 117.9 and his rank is currently 440 with just 7 points in 24 games. But the worst player in the entire NHL, based on their average draft position in the Cupful, is Sergei Bobrovsky of Florida. He was drafted and is still owned in 100% of Cupful divisions with an ADP of 30.9, which was third amongst goaltenders. He is currently ranked 361st in terms of total points, which is 36th amongst goaltenders. And the five best performers then, relative to their average draft positions this season, are at number five, Brock Nelson of the New York Islanders. With 20 points in 24 games for a 68-point pace, Nelson was drafted at an average of 218th in the Cupful and is ranked 72nd on Yahoo in the Cupful format. He was drafted in 56% of leagues and is now owned in every Cupful division. The next up is Thomas Tatar of Montreal. He has a 76-point pace through 26 games. With an ADP of 212.2, he is ranked 58th overall. He's drafted in 94% of leagues and is owned in every Cupful division. At number 3, it's JT Miller of Vancouver. He has 27 points in 27 games, which is good for 19th overall after being drafted with an ADP of 189.8. He is fully drafted and fully owned. At number 2 is Jacob Verana of Washington with a 67 point pace and over 3 shots per game. He has an average draft position of 230.8 and a rank of 47. He was 50% drafted so just half of Cupful leagues actually drafted Verana but he is again 100% owned currently in the Cupful. And at number 1 it's David Perron of St. Louis. With a 79 point pace Perron had an ADP of 225. He's now ranked 28th overall in the Cupful. He was drafted in two-thirds, that's 12 of the 18 Cupful divisions, and is now again 100% owned. 
So that's it for episode 4 of the Cuckupful Stat Attack podcast. Thank you again for listening. Best of luck to everybody in game week 9, and in particular to the three remaining unbeaten teams as they look to continue their amazing streaks. I'll chat to you next week. Bye.